Now, so, you're very welcome to the 20th anniversary. Well, as um, I have had the privilege to move from uh, one of the nations to the other, each one of you, you will remember something that I have said very, very affirmatively during uh, the preparation towards this year. Uh, what I said is so clear and very, very uh, clear now. What is 20th anniversary for us? Number one, this anniversary, which is 4th of March, fall on the same day and date when this church was inaugurated. It's not coincidence. This church was inaugurated by God on the 4th of March, 1990. And it was a Sunday. It is necessary for us to know the time that we are in. Having said that, what about the 4th of March, 1990? On the 20th, I think I can, uh, is it 21st? 1990, on the 26th or so of February 1990. That is, 4th of March is Sunday. So, uh, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Friday, uh, Thursday, um, Thursday, uh, Wednesday, yeah, 28th of February, which was a Tuesday. We were holding a meeting in, at the Hillsfield Community Center and I'm saying this because I want every one of you to um, take everything I say in this meeting, take it to heart very, very strongly. In my discussion with you, I'll be talking about the history of this church, the vision of this church, and um, the covenant of God with Christ with Tabernacle. In discussing that with you, you will know several things. One of the things you will know is, the template God gave us, which is available to anybody who is a member of this family, either as Christ with Tabernacle or part of prophetic voice ministers across the globe, because probably right now it is possible that a couple of tens or hundreds in Nigeria are watching this. I haven't visited them just last week. Anybody who is a, who is a member of PVM is a part of Christ with Tabernacle in Covenant. When we get to structure, we'll be looking at the structure of CFT. What God gave me as a pattern is that this church has three categories of relationship. One is the branches, which are branches of Christ with Tabernacle. They bear the name Christ with Tabernacle. Second are the affiliates. And the third are the associates. When we get to the structure and governance, I'll be teaching very deeply about that. And so when I talk about covenants of God for Christ with Tabernacle, I include every associate and affiliate across the globe. Okay. So, on the 4th of 1990, March 1990, the Lord, the Lord, this church was commissioned. How did was it commissioned? We were holding our meeting just the last um, Tuesday before the, the, the fall in February. And the, at the time we were going to do the grace, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes. 
and I saw an open vision. And in that open vision, the Lord was standing there, and he told me, tell these people to meet you at this building. And he showed me All Saints Church in New Cross Road. And he said, tell them to meet you there on Sunday. Now, this is Tuesday. The meeting is Sunday. The fact is that in human terminology, is impossible. A building you know not of. First time I've seen that building is in the vision. I've never seen it in the physical. And the street was given... And I told the people, do you know this place? And some people say, oh, they know it and they describe it. Others say they don't know it. So those who don't know it, I said, take the address from those who know it. Take the description. This is the address God gave us. And this is how the building looks like. And the second day, I went to that road and I found the building. And then I phoned the owner of the building or the vicar of the building who told me to come down straight away. So I went to his house and told him that yesterday we were in a meeting and the Lord in an open vision showed me your property and told me that we should meet there this Sunday at 2 p.m. Now this is a, a high mass Anglican priest like the Roman Catholics. Usually a lot of Pentecostal people always have this notion that they are, only, they are the only one who have the Holy Spirit which is very, very wrong. Really, the word, the last, take heed that the last will not become first and the first last. It's almost happening to Pentecostal movement on earth today. And the man told me, I haven't had all my, my vision. He said, I, he said, I believe God spoke to you. And he gave me coffee, tea, we drank, and he asked me more about the Holy Spirit. He was curious to know about the Lord more which we shared for about an hour. And he said to me, look, the fact is that in our own church system, you know, you can't just come and say we're using the building and get it because we have a board meeting once in a month. And we just had one last week. So the procedure is that you are supposed to write a letter to us, that is to the, to the uh, board, and then we will, hold, we will circulate it in our next agenda and we'll hold our meeting normally, and then we'll discuss how one of the matters arising. And then people will give their views and opinions. And if everybody unanimously agrees, then it means that we can write you again the second month, and then we can fix when you should do it, when you should start the church. He said, and that would take a process of minimum of three months or more, because if there is a, a disagreement, he said, but I believe God told you. I believe the vision you saw was real. I said, because of that, you, and he said, our auditorium had never been given out to anybody. He said, we don't share our auditorium because we have a lot of secret things in our building. We have our icons and all stuff. And people who have come before you, they use the outside, you know, all the halls outside. He said, but whatever the case may be, I believe that God showed you those visions, uh, that vision. And he said, you know what? I will take you to the building now. I will show you where you, will, you should be sitting down as a vicar. And I will show you where you put your instrument because I know that you Pentecostal people always carry instruments and stuff. He said, and you can meet on Sunday 
at 2 p.m. If somebody will uh, not see that as a miracle, I will ask him to express to me what a miracle could be. The Lord says, you will inherit the land you know not. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so, this church, while the members did not even think about how we would get it, because they ran with the vision. They have no, no second thoughts that our pastor is telling us to meet him in the building. We don't know. What about, what about, what about? And I see that as the Spirit of Christ in Tabernacle. A Spirit that does not contend with prophetic. When the instruction of heaven comes, a Spirit that runs with it. A Spirit that hears and does not try to reason with human rational mind. How can that be? But rather, what can I do to make it happen? Because God is transcendent above our rational thinking. During this month, I'm going to be teaching you this very seminar. I'm going to be teaching you some intellectual stuff. Like, you know, um, topics. When we, when we look at the topic on corporate governance, we're going to be looking at what they call critical reasoning. I can teach you that now because over the years I myself have acquired some academic intellectual knowledge of which when I was acquiring them in the field of law, my own concept is how does this apply to church? All the time I did law. When he taught me law, corporate governance, and so I'm thinking this now is applicable to industries. How does it apply to church? Because God gave those knowledge, not for industry, but for the church. And if industries have been using it on earth, on international level, and it works, I think the time has come for the church of God to take what belongs to them and use and run with it. So we're going to be looking at that. But what I'm telling you is that vision as established by God in CFT is not, we are not a people who rationalize the thinking of God. We hear, we run. And God fulfills what he says. And on that Sunday, behold, we were there. But he told me that where well, the place is cold. He said, but you guys are always dancing and jumping. You shouldn't feel too much cold. So, on that day, we met. Now, let me say this to all of you. That's the, that's the building. I hope um, the video section can put it in their second window now. Now, I'm saying this to all of you. Those of you who are ministers of CFT, who are elders of CFT, who are deacons of CFT, and those who are members, that you don't have second option but to hear God. You don't have it. You don't have second option but to be able to see. It is not a gift. It is a promise. Joel 2.28 The Lord is upon my spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters of prophesy. And he says, your sons shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. So, to see vision is not a gift. It is a promise for the last days. And so, this is how CFC was inaugurated. But of course, along the line this week, we'll be looking at what about Apostle Williams? How did I come to be? And that will link up to the vision of Christ's faith, Tabernacle. I 
I will say to us that, having said that to you, the beginning of our, of our conference today, we'll be looking at the topic, the church of the living God. This is how we begin. And this is going to be our first television broadcast in Nigeria, which is starting in the month of April on NTA station, Nigerian Television Authority, I think. Now, I will ask that um, somebody should get the King Charles to print out the program and distribute it to everybody. So, the first thing we are going to be looking at this morning is the Church of the Living God. We are running within time because last year, this time I'm talking to you, which I've used to now do introduction, is the time for registration so that everybody who comes from Ireland, I had the island people are here and stuff like that, you know, everybody could register. And my lecture is supposed to start from 12 to 1. So, this time I'm talking to you is just the preamble. I think before we go into the lecture itself, I want us to just recognize some of the nations that are here represented in this meeting. Let us, let me ask that uh, the ministers from India please stand up, put their hands together for them. That is the face of Christ's faith. Tabernacle, India. And this is Pastor Qatar. Pastor Qatar, you're welcome. Pastor Collins, Bruce, and Pastor Hannah Collins. You're very welcome. Pastor Qatar is from Chandigarh. And Pastor Collins, Pastor and Pastor Mrs. Collins, they are from Hyderabad. Please be seated. Well, the work, the work of God in India has spread from India to Nepal. I was told by Pastor Qatar. And um, as you see, that uh, the principle of Christ with Tabernacle is if a, if a missionary is sent to a nation, his job is not to stay in that nation, but to minister the word of God and raise the, the kindred of the nation who will run with the vision and go back to his base. Because no one can reach a people than people of their tribe and tongue. And we have now, we have now churches in the Himalayas, we have in Oriche, we have in Punjab, and we have in um, Hyderabad. And then there is another man from the south, you know, Vishakapravna, Andhra Pradesh, Andhra Pradesh. So what that tells us is that because India, when when the Collins came from Hyderabad to Chandigarh, it's about two thousand miles plus. They are in the bottom, and he is at the top there, towards the north. And so India, I think, extends its stretch over three thousand miles stretch. So, we have the Andhra Pradesh is even further down below Hyderabad, which is probably close to 3,000 miles stretch. Now, which means that if God planted CFT to the lowest part and he planted CFT to the northern part, I think God is saying something to us. When we, do, when we, get, to the, we get there on Friday, I'll be talking to you about Vision 2020. 
and we'll see how we go. God will not spread us across if God has not given the land into our hands. All the prophecies God has spoken in this house about India, when we had not even entered India, God has spoken to us about India and various promises. And God, I remember one of the things God said that India will be the people that will evangelize China. And yet, you know, in, in China you have a lot of underground churches. But I will tell you about the issue of China. How can God say India will evangelize China? And you will see. Now, the northern part of India is Hindus and and um, and then into Buddhists, uh, where you go into into Nepal. But you have Hindus in the area. But the southern part of India was the area that they believe Thomas came, uh, uh, the disciple of Jesus Christ. And so, majority of that area, they are more Christian. But the further north you go, they are more hostile to Christianity. But either hostile or unhostile, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and all that dwell therein. So we thank God for India. We have from Nigeria, Pastor Dapo and Pastor Mrs. Bumishoko. <laughs> and then we have Pastor Akitunde from Nigeria. He is the coordinator for Jesus City in Nigeria. Pastor Dapo coordinates the whole affairs of CLT in Nigeria and Republic of Benin. So they represent Nigeria and Republic of Benin. Next year, we hope we'll be able to bring the pastor, at least one of them and his wife, from the Republic of Benin. Please be seated. Then from Ireland, we have Pastor and Pastor Mrs. Taiwo Matthew, Pastor Adepoju. Dr. Taiwo is a medical doctor. Pastor Yabo is a lawyer. Pastor Adepoju also is a pharmacy. But her husband, uh, Professor uh, Adepoju, yeah, he is a professor in electronics. Yeah, he, he is not able to join us now because of an assignment the office gave him. He will be here on Friday. So we thank God for Irish churches. They are the people who took Christ the Tabernacle to Ireland when they migrated to Ireland. And we have Christ the Tabernacle, Ennis, Limerick, uh, Dublin, and also Carlo now. And we are moving into Cork, Galway. Very, very much at the doors of those places. Now, um, those of you in the UK, ministers from the UK, please, could you stand up together? All the ministers from the UK. Yes. These are all ministers from the UK. The rest of them will join us along, along the, 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 the line. So we have Bristol, uh, Birmingham, and then London. Then Germany. Hallelujah. They, they, they don't look good in touch, do they? When we say Germany, I know you have a mind of seeing uh, a, a, a German of a German. They are. You only need to change your goggles. You see that? 
So we thank God for, for the German ministers. Well, which means that we can talk about this church now. Okay, yeah, we have from Athens. I will not make a mistake. I'm forgetting. We have gone to, to Greece. Now we have Greece in our midst. Doctor, please. And Pastor Andy Barber as well. He is the apostle to Greece. Kala. <laughs> Where is Dickiness West? They are the family of Dickiness West. The Kala is his. Well, I haven't said that we just got to 12 and I can take you for the next one hour on our first lecture. The first lecture is the Church of the Living God. Now, it is always my joy to force this course about the Church of the Living God whenever we are looking into, you know, uh, in our seminar, minister seminar like this. And I believe very much that having the true knowledge of the Church of the Living God we put you in a position to know who you really are. Because if God owns his church, and we are all members of his church, if we have the true knowledge of what the church is before God himself, then whatever position you are, whether you are a pastor, you are an apostle, prophet, teacher, or you are a deacon or deaconess or elder or member, it will help you to identify, to understand your identity in the church. You know, the failure of the knowledge of this is what has empowered Satan to fragment Pentecostal churches. You know, the Pentecostal churches is not a threat any longer to Lucifer. Really, he has his hand on the neck of Pentecostal churches. I'll be teaching you on the church of God in the last days. And I think I honor that I've been teaching about satanic strategies for the last days. If you look at the Church of God, the Pentecostal movement on earth, they are the most unregulated on earth. Not only that, they are the most confused. Because you have, it is only in the Pentecostal movement you have people rising up in the church and say that I think God is telling me that I should start something there. You don't find that in ecclesiastical churches. It is only Pentecostal churches. And so, the Lord who has built a church, when he raises a visioner who is a pioneer, which will look at the job of pioneer and the job of associate, you will see distinct. And the characteristics of pioneer and who God called to be such people. But when God raises a pioneer, he will bring so many people into the vision. Because they make the vision print and herald will run. Each person that God brings to the vision have a destiny to be fulfilled. Of which if they leave that vision, they waste away. They never fulfill it. It is like if you are supposed to be the president of England and you decide to pack your load and live in India. You will never be the president of India. Because your presidency is in England. If you were in England, you would just discover that by, you know, little by little, somebody pushes you into the party and then before you know it, they appoint you as a counselor, they appoint you as a, a representative, you know, get involved with so, uh, social action and then before you know it, they expect, and uh, appoint you to parliament and before you know it, you are presented to be president. Look at, I will give you an example, Chuka Amuna, who is a Nigerian 
young man. If he was in Nigeria, he would never be recognized. Because his destiny is to is England. And so when his parents gave birth to him, they brought him to England. If they had brought, taken him to Nigeria, really nobody would know him. Because all his brain, all his, um, at, uh, you know, his attitude and towards you know, governmental operations will be destroyed in that. If they don't kill him even before his time. But Chukamuna has risen in England as a black man and a Nigerian descent to the place of being appointed to be Prime Minister of England. He's the first black man that was appointed to run for the Prime Ministership of England. He will have won. But whatever the case may be, it is because his time has not come. But God wanted to, to speak a language to people. Two, one, one, that there is nothing that can hinder destiny when God appoints it. Two, if you do not, if you leave the region of your destiny, you will never uh, fulfill that destiny. Do you understand me? So, Pentecostal movement, therefore, is the most unregulated institution. I we together, let's focus at me. So, it's the most unregulated institution. And Satan has confused too many people in Pentecostal churches. And this is the reason why I told you at the beginning, Christ with Tabernacle believe that you and I cannot hear God in a different method apart from what is written in the Bible. Nobody in the Bible did God tell in his mind, go and start a work for me. He appeared to Abraham several times. And he appeared to him physically. That is a pioneer. He began by Noah. He appeared to Noah and spoke to Noah. He didn't speak in his mind. That I'm raising you for a new order. Then he appeared to Abraham when that order was gone. And several times he still appeared to him throughout his life. Even he appeared to the sons of Abraham. Because Abraham, Jacob and Isaac... He, 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 they are pioneers, the three pillars of the Abrahamic covenant. And if you look at him, when Moses was to be sent, he appeared unto Moses, not in his mind. He saw an open vision. And God stood by him. You remember that in Exodus, you just finished reading it, when God tried to kill him. It was not in the vision. Physically, God was going to handle Moses. And he, the wife spilled the blood and circumcised his son, and that delivered him. It was physical. God entered the house of Moses and ate food there. If you look at everyone that God raised to be partner of New Order, God spoke to them. They had visions and clear, open vision. They had God audible. Not, I think I was led in my spirit. The greatest dilemma of Christians today is that statement. And Satan is using it to shipwreck many. And of course, he will use it to take many to hell. When we look at satanic strategies, you will see it. I'm saying this to help you understand this, that for me, and for Christ with Tabernacle and you, this is the reason why we need to know what the Bible says. So that in this end time, we will not be deceived by Satan. Alright? Not only that, we will not miss our destiny. Not only that, Satan cannot frustrate us. Because a lone soldier walking straight 
in the field of the enemy camp. He can be intimidated. He can be destroyed. But when a soldier is armed and is in the midst of his own camp, enemy cannot intimidate him because he has backup. And this is the reason why. Throughout this week, I'm going to be taking you through the whole... I will say that this is going to be the first of such ever in CFT. I've taught you for 28 years on, on seminars. But you know that 28 years that I've taught you, the knowledge I have today is I didn't have it 28 years ago. And so, why am I going to all this? Because It's because the absence of the true knowledge of what God calls the church is consequential to gross misbehavior by believers mishandling and misconduct before the Lord. And somebody can be before God nothing and he will think that he's working for God. And if somebody thinks he's working for God, he can do that for 20 years, 90 years of his life. In his death, he will recognize that he did nothing before God. Because we do not work for God, we work with God. Kenneth Higgins wrote about himself. When he started working as an evangelist, joined other people to do evangelism and crusade, 15 years, God never corrected it. The 15th year when God came to him, the Lord Jesus came to him and said, that, What are you doing? Did I send you to do crusades? He said, Lord, all these 15 years. He said, Yes, it is what you chose. You saw that you followed. He said, Now, let me tell you what to do. And the Lord answered to him, You stay in America. Do not leave America all your life. But your words will reach every part of the globe. Kennedy never traveled to Africa. But Africa read him. He never traveled to India. India read him. China, they read, they read Kenneth Hagin all over the whole world. But he did not fulfill that until when he discovered the true destiny of God. And understand, Kenneth Hagin will not tell you, who read it in his book, that I felt that in my mind. No. No, you don't discuss with God in your mind. All of you must understand this. The place you must be is the place where you can have controversy with God. Discuss with him on matters that is necessary for such. And you all, if you are part of this house, whether you are a member or a pastor or a leader, it doesn't matter. If you are part of this house on prophetic voice ministry all over the whole world, you have that grace. Because the, man, the set man of the house is given the grace. God does not give the set man a grace that he did not give those who follow him. When God called Moses, if you look at Caleb and Joshua, who followed him to the end, they behaved like him. They behaved like him. And I believe very much that uh, CFT have come to the time that we are entering Canaan now. And we all, all of us, both Christ with Tabernacle branches, affiliates, associate, PVM churches all over the world, we will enter into you together. Therefore, we need to understand God. What is the church of the living God? In the book of First Timothy, chapter 3, verse 11, this manual is going to be given to all of you. And you will get them today. But you can write down more things. When I teach you, I teach you to, for you to understand and for you to teach what I've taught. 
So when I'm teaching you, you have an understanding, but you are writing down what you will teach when you have to teach that topic. One of the things I want to do, you know, in the in your in your in your program, where is the program? In your you have the program. No, they haven't given no not that one. I give you a proper timetable, which they just go to print. Now, in it you will discover that I have in the from ten thirty to eleven from tomorrow, prayer time with apostle. Don't miss it. I want to teach you how to pray. That's what the Lord told me to tell you to, to do. Why should a Christian pray? Nothing happened, and yet you didn't hear God. It is an approach. If you pray and no result, the God who you are praying to should tell you something about it. I'm very much um, in my heart. I'm, I have very much um, concern. That is, is it concern like I call it? No, I have a desire. Desire is what I call it. I have very much desire that before the end of this uh, week, there will be none here who can hear God distinct. That's my desire. It makes a difference completely. Somebody came to serve me yesterday among the Johannes. <laughs> and when they were serving me, we were all there and stuff like that. And suddenly I got up from my table, my table that they are serving me. And I went to them where they were washing the plates. I want to join them and just make my daughters happy. So when I go to meet them like that, I will, whenever they come, I must hug all of them uh, before they serve me. Because a time is coming that somebody will take the hug away from me. So before they have the man who will take them away, I will hug them. So they, know they, 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 can, they can have a complete conviction that they have a father here. And all of them know that I give all of them a hug. So I just felt, let me stand up and, you know, I have hugged them, uh, these very sisters too. But I felt in my spirit that I should just go to her. And so when I got to her, she is married to my son. So I patted her at the back, at the shoulder. I said, darling, how are you? He said, oh, daddy, I'm fine, I'm fine. I said, are you sure? He said, yes, I'm fine. I said, that's very good. And as I was going, I saw a man, a young boy, coming out of her belly. And I said, look at that boy coming out there. He looks like your husband, isn't it? And she looked at me like this. I said, what are you looking at me for? I said that I see a boy coming out of you. And the boy looks like your husband. He said, oh, yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. She didn't know she was pregnant. When she left me, she started vomiting. Not vomiting, you know, pregnancy, morning sickness. Few hours after she left me. So they said, ah, she's having, she's vomiting. I said, ah, she's not vomiting. It is what God put inside her that is responding that. Apostle spoke, I am here. I would get there. And I can tell you many more. God, Holy Spirit is very exciting. My heart is that everything I teach you this week will bring your frame of mind into the place where those communications all of us will access. And I'll be teaching you about the role of angels during this week too. So if you look at your, your program, you will see 
quite a good number of topics that we will be looking at. So today, we're looking at the church of living God this morning. It says, First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. It says, if I'm delayed, this is Paul writing. You will know how people ought to conduct themselves in, the, in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. From this, we can define what the church of the living God is. Therefore, the definition of the church of God, of the living God, is God's household. The pillar and foundation of truth. That is the church of the living God. It is God's household, the pillar and the foundation of truth. Now, there are two major things in this exposé by God. The first thing is God's household. That is the title or the name called the church of God. It is God's family. God is the father. And we are all children. And we know in the family you have children who are firstborn, secondborn, thirdborn. Children have various roles. And children have various grace. Children have various uh, privileges. And they have various successes. They have various skills and abilities. And I think if a minister can truly picture the church of God like that, anything I will teach you, anybody will teach you under heaven, is just enshrined in this word. We have to change our mindset, some of us, of people listening to me as ministers, by looking at God's people as members of your family. If there is anything I can say, that is um, the, the, the most in Christ's tabernacle is that CFT churches are families. Anywhere you have CFT church, everybody belongs to one family. And this is what instructs what we teach. This is what instructs what we do. This is what instructs our vision. This is what instructs all our activities. So that a minister in his mind has this conception that he has to create everything in his uh, church to help every member of the family to grow spiritually, to grow, you know, uh, physically, to grow mentally, to grow financially. For those of you who are CFT members and all the affiliates all over, the template of Christ Tabernacle can be copied by anybody, even those who are watching me on television. If you are not part of this house, if I write any book on template, you can copy it. It does, it's not copyright protected because it is by divine revelation of heaven. If God did not charge me for copyright, nobody under heaven should be charged for copyright over what I teach. And so, if you look at it, therefore, if, you can, if a minister can redress himself and look at the church as his family, there is no limit to what God can take you on earth. A minister who fails in that you will struggle with growth in your church. The church will never grow. If a minister has a people he loves and a people he hates, God will not grow the church. Really, people can be coming, but they will be going. Because those you hate will soon recognize your hate, and then they will leave. Do you understand now? So therefore, the heart of a minister, therefore, is this. If you're a resident pastor, you're a father of the house. 
as your wife is to mother the house. And you cannot treat them different to your own birth children. Everything you do for your children that you give back to, you must do for the church, members of the church. Let me help you understand something. Many people who come to church really didn't have privilege of good fatherhood or motherhood. And the worst thing they can come to meet is to come to a church where people just come, say prayer, say amen, take offering and go. And nobody cares about what happened to somebody yesterday. Nobody cares about what happened to somebody for the past three months. That is no church. Now, because we understand therefore that it is God's family and we are God's messengers over the family, then Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 applies. I will give you this in minister's meeting. And you, we must, we, he said we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ that we may be given the reward according to what we have done while in the body, either good or bad. Ministers will give accounts, and we must be very, very careful about this. That we must all give accounts before the Lord Jesus. So, the second pillar or thing to look at in the definition of church is the pillar and foundation of truth. This is one of the areas that Pentecostal people grossly do not understand, and that is what leads to errors. You understand? You can only preach the truth, nothing but the truth. And not the truth as you have from somebody, but the truth which you hear and you have established by the word of God. Let me tell you something. You cannot preach anything I do not preach. I will together now. Someone may say that, oh, what is this man saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Because if God sent me to lead you, so everyone that is a pioneer, I told you, God gave them the pattern that you follow. And the pattern God gave me is the pattern of Christ. He told me that don't do anything I did not do. Don't preach anything I did not preach. And the Lord told me, study the book of Acts and all the epistles and see those who took over from me firsthand what they did and how they did it. And do the same thing. All these wrong doctrines coming over, which is all tied to money, money, money. And money in the sense of the person who is the preacher receiving all the money. It's not of God. There is no truth in it. You cannot preach because you want to make money from people. That is derogation from the pillar of truth. You teach because the word of God says, you know, what you are saying. And your intention for teaching must be for people to know the only true God. Not for their money. Not for your own accreditation. You don't preach so that people will applaud you or say that you are speaking good. You have no goodness in speech. You don't preach to impress somebody. And you don't preach also either for people, for, I mean, with the contemplation that what will people say. Let them say anything. The moment you begin to have those sentiments in you, Satan is getting you out of the pillar of truth. Pillar is something you hold on. Foundation is what you stand upon. So if the Bible says the church of God is a pillar and a foundation of truth, it means that if anybody walks through your doors, either they are godly or ungodly, either they are satanists or witches or wizards or born again, 
they should all have the same testimony that if I go into that church, I will hear the truth. Are we together now? So therefore, the church of the living God, one, is God's family. Two, is the pillar of truth. That's the definition. One more thing we need to take notice of before we move from that. It says, if I'm delayed, First Timothy 3.15, you will know how, to, how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. I think it talks about conduct in household of God. Behavior in household of God. A minister must let the church know, look, you may not be well brought up, but when you come here, you must be well behaved. You may be a brass somebody, but when you come here, no, you must calm down. So you may be very arrogant and pride. When you come here, look, just level yourself with everybody. If a prime minister of England is a member of CFT, the first assignment I will give the prime minister is I not shut the door. That's my first assignment for him or her. Because once you come in here, even if you are the chief justice, you are not chief justice in this place. You are a member of the family. And really, if somebody is a prime minister or a chief justice of the federation, and if people come to the door and see him welcoming people, it brings sanity to those who come in. That if this person so highly placed can be the usher, you saw him cleaning the floor, then you will not stand how you are. You will go and be doing it. So to those of us that God has raised high in the world, what God expects us in the church is to be the example of what we want to see. That's the reason why also it applies to the general overseer, it applies to the bishop, it applies to the pastor, that you cannot tell members to do what you cannot do. If I come to your church and your toilet is dirty, I'm the general overseer, you will see me carry your cleaner and I will be cleaning it there. There's no such a thing that I'm the bishop and the presiding bishop and the archbishop and the general overseer that I I couldn't do. If I walk in your church and I see death on the floor, I will pick it up. Because it is the household of faith and it is the family of God. The house is the house of God. Everybody have joint responsibilities. Though we delegate people who should do those things, but yet when we go there and those things are not done, we do it. In the church of God, there is no room for arrogance. You cannot be rude to anybody because they are younger in age. No. You respect those. The Bible commands you will look at that eventually. You respect people who are older. And you respect people who are highly placed in society. When they come into our midst, it doesn't mean that you, you will stop, uh, you know, undo, undo uh, whatever, and then start to be rude to them. No. You respect those who are respectable in society. If they come into the church, you respect them. Why they humble themselves to serve? You don't call somebody ordained by name. You call them by the ordination title, even if you are their father. If you are old, you respect the younger ones. You don't get rude to the younger ones. You respect them in their office and position. You don't talk to the younger ones just rudely. No, you don't do that. In the household of God, you don't command people, command people and push them about and you are busting everybody. You don't do that. No. People must obey you because they love you. And because you father them. They will do things because they don't want you to come in and these things are not done. Because you are a father to them. You are a mother to them. In other words, we should be the example of Jesus Christ that can be seen. So when people are ordained, it's not the position to start puffing about and 
Say, do you know who I am? You are not in place. I haven't said that. Let me take you through things to know in the church of the living God. We have looked at the definition of the church of the living God. Now, things to know. John 1, 12 to 3. The first thing to know is that you must let everybody know that each one of them, you are a child of God. Or if you apply it to everybody, you are children of God. First John, no, John, sorry, John 1, not First John. John 1, 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in him, his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human descent, or a husband's will, but born of God. Now, you are ministers, many of you, and I believe you understand this, I'm telling you. It is important and most vital for every element of your church, and I mean element, every man should know that they are children of God. It is very important for every member of your church to know that we belong to the same family, which is the family of God. So they know they have equal rights in the house, do different functions. And they know that to be a child of God, you must have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Salvation is the first stage or the entrance to becoming God's children. And the journey begins from there. So, number two, on things to be to know, you must let your church know that their salvation is not by works, but by grace. Saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 10. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God had prepared in advance for us to do. Now, I will not explain most all the scripture because we'll be looking at that later in the lecture. So, the first thing you want your members to know is that they are God's children through salvation. Okay? If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. Second thing you want every member to know is that that salvation is by grace and not by work. You get saved by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Children should know that and get them saved. From the age of reasoning, a baby can be saved. If they can put witchcraft in babies, Holy Ghost can enter into babies. Okay? Second thing in that scripture for you about grace is this. By grace we have been saved. Through faith and not and this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. You need to let them know that salvation is God's gift to humanity. 
Not by works. Verse 9. You need to let them know salvation is not by works. So that man cannot boast. No one can boast that. But I'm born again. I'm superior to you. You are not by salvation. Because you are just given by God. But if you look at verse 10. Though we are saved by grace. Not by works. But we are saved to work. Write it down. You are saved to work. Let every member of your church know that Jesus did not save you to be idle. He saved you to work. You did not attain salvation by work, but you attained it by faith in His name, which is grace. But He saved you to work. Paul says, show me your faith, and I will show you my work. That is the greatest man of faith that in the, in the New Testament. So therefore, under helping your church to know that they are saved to work, how can we work? It says, for we are God's workmanship, fellow workers, fellow field. We are God's workmanship. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, For we are God's fellow workers. Isn't it? And you are God's field. Saved by grace, but saved to work. Now, this is I'm telling you, when we leave this meeting, hmm, all of you, when you get home, you teach your church all these things I'm teaching you. The church of living God should be your first topic. I am writing the lecture notes on this that will be sent to all of you, all your ministers. But you know, <laughs> When I teach you about corporate governance in, on Thursday, I start teaching about corporate governance. You will discover that any organization that has a structure but does not have a reasonable policy to address the structure will always give back to chaos. Because two, three people will be doing the same job and they will believe that they have the right to do it. Then there will be clash. You will understand. If your people do not know that the reason why Jesus saved them is to walk. That faith and grace takes you to salvation. But it is your walk that God will reward after death. He won't reward your salvation because He gave it to you. God cannot reward you for what He gave you. He saved you by Himself. That's the reward. Eternal, eternal life with Him. But when you die, it is the walk you walked, He will measure to compensate you. First Corinthians 5.10. You have seen that a few minutes ago. So we are saved by grace. 
but still to work. Number three thing that you must let your members know. Jesus is your senior brother. He is our savior. He is our maker. He is our friend, but he is our brother. Romans 8.29 For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You know, I went to Nigeria, and some people are doing what they call redemption of firstborn. They call it redemption of firstborn. And I, I taught them, I showed them, his lack of knowledge. In New Testament, there is only one firstborn. The reason why God gave the, the doctrine of firstborn redemption in the Old Testament, if you look at it, it said that that firstborn is mine. Give it to me. Firstborn of your animals, firstborn of your man is mine. So he was talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth in the New Testament, who will become the firstborn among the dead. And who will be the firstborn in the church? It belongs to him. So, haven't Jesus come to fulfill it? Why should anybody now tell God's people to redeem their firstborn by paying money for him? Can you understand that it's very satanic teaching? Everybody who follow it will end in hell. You know, when I say that people who follow a particular thing will end in hell, it's because the Bible says they will end in hell. Jesus says so. And I'll show you a few scriptures about that. Anybody who misleads the young ones, Jesus said that he will certainly go to hell. You can be born again, you can lose salvation and end up in hell. Jesus says so. If anybody teaches you that once you are born again, you can never fall a liar. A liar. He doesn't have knowledge of God. That's it. Many Christians are in hell already. If Jesus himself said to Christians that you can go to hell, haven't confessed me, you can end up your life in hell. And he gave us condition, condition. I will show you all that during this, this seminar. What you do, you go to hell. What you do, Jesus, what Jesus said, you do this, you end up in hell. If you do this, you end up in hell. And we'll look at it. If we look at everybody who do those things are are under the influence of demons. And that is where First Timothy chapter 4 applies to them. So you understand now. Number three, which you have written down, is for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be confirmed with the, with the likeness of his son, so that he may be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, haven't let your church know this. this the third area that we are looking at, the first area we looked at is Definition of the church. The second thing that we looked at is things to know. Some vital things to know. And in this third area, we are looking at our obligation. Our major, let me call it our major obligation. Because we have other obligation. Our major obligation is to go to, go tell. That's our major obligation. Once you are saved, you are obliged to go and tell others. That's your principal obligation. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of the Lord, of, of, uh, the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First in Jerusalem, then to the Gentiles. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, 
a righteousness that is by faith. From first to last, just as it is written, the just are lived by faith, the righteous are lived by faith. If you look at this scripture, therefore, you must teach your members, make every member a soul winner. The first obligation of God for you is not offering, it's not your tithe, it's to go tell somebody. We give offering, we give tithe, because there are commands. And the command of tithe is a command that has a covenant promise attached to it. We do all the things that Jesus said to us because he commanded us to do so. We love one another because he commanded us to do so. But the first mandate is that once you are born again, get out there and tell somebody. You don't need a training to go and tell somebody about your salvation. We do train people for discipleship that they may have the more knowledge of Christ. But somebody came to the altar now and, and got saved. The first thing you tell him is that now that you see the light, go tell somebody that you saw the light. Understand something in the process of salvation and healing. These I will talk about and I will teach it more when I go into encounters with God. Now, if you look at the process of salvation, who saves people? It's the Lord. You don't save anybody. I don't save anybody. We are just witnesses to testify. We are testifiers. That's the reason why not everybody you talk to will accept Jesus Christ. Nobody will accept him until, unless you invite him. Anyone that hasn't given the gift of salvation, you tell him he wouldn't accept it. You may be talking to somebody here and he's arguing with you, but the other person is hearing, though he's not the one you're addressing, and he's the one who gets saved. And the one you're talking to will not accept Jesus. So we need to let our people know so that the fear Satan puts in Christians not to share their faith, will be destroyed. You are not to convert people. You are just to tell them about yourself. Use your life to tell them. You don't know anything? Jesus saved me. It's enough. Tell them how terrible you are. If you are terrible, if you are not terrible, then no problem. Look for somebody terrible and tell them that I'm not so terrible, but there's somebody more terrible. Talk about me. Tell them, my father was a wizard priest. You have a wizard priest? Yes, he's a pastor now. Can the wizard priest be a pastor? Come over and see. That's enough. They will come. I'm so happy with our churches in India. Because Pastor Qatar is from Hindu family. Your family, no, I know your dad was a, is a Christian. But he's, <laughs> was a Brahmin. Your grandfather was a Brahmin. Because I met your dad. And you also will come from an idol worshiping. What, what family? Catholic. But before Catholic, the ancestors worship idols. Oh, you are, you are an Irish. Follow these people home. <laughs> Dr. Taiwo was a counselor in the Irish local government. Yes. He would look at one each after the other. Maximum Irish, 500 years ago they worship idols. Or 1,000 years ago they worship idols. But people like us, I'm just the second generation of idol worshippers. My direct father was a priest of Lucifer. Tell somebody that, can somebody who is who's, who's a priest of Lucifer accept Jesus? Yes, my father did. The daughter of a chief imam, Rabbi Atuweji and Abekuta, she accepted Jesus Christ. The whole family did not, but she came out and accepted Jesus. Talk about people. You have criminals among us, witches and wizards, warlocks and all stuff. Who gave their life to Jesus Christ? Testify. So that people don't think that I need to quote the Bible to tell somebody. No, 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 no. Just say Jesus. 
the, the name Jesus is enough to bring people to salvation. And you need to let people know this. They will get it now. So, we must make sure our obligation is distinctly clear. Matthew 18, 28, 18-20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authorities in heaven and earth are given unto me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've taught you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Look, tell people here, why did Jesus start by saying that all authorities in heaven and earth have been given unto me? Because Jesus says, all authorities in heaven and earth have been given unto me. Therefore, go. In law, it means... What gives you the right and audacity to go is because all authorities belong to me. So, it is like Supreme Court. A case is taken to the magistrate court. And the Supreme Court decided to take the case up to the Supreme Court. And then the criminal, uh, for said, was discharged and acquitted by Supreme Court. And then the high court said that, why should the Supreme Court do that? Who owns the high court? Who appointed the judges of the high court? Are you understanding what I'm saying? The prime minister of the country said that this is what this government would do. Then a cabinet minister went to television the second day and said that, I'm so sorry, the government shall not do that. And this is what the government shall do, according to me. That will be the last time he's a prime minister. Who appointed him? He's the boss. The prime minister is the boss. I mean, the, 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 the cabinet minister is gone for contravening the authority of the prime minister. It's automatic. Once that cabinet minister says what he wants against what the prime minister said yesterday, the moment he's leaving the television, his resignation letter is following him. Because the prime minister does not need to call anybody to discuss, to fire him. Prime minister will just go and say that, well, he's been removed. Even if he hasn't got a letter, he's removed. Greater than that authority is Jesus. He said, all authority in heaven and earth are, have been given to me. There's no more power in anybody's hands but me. That's the reason why Acts 14, uh, I think it's uh, Acts, Acts chapter 4. Verse 14. Look at that very quickly. It says, um, 12, 12, sorry. Yeah, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no other name, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which someone can be saved. Let your members know this scripture. John 1, 12, Acts 4, 12. This is the scripture that tells you that Muhammad can't save anybody. Buddhists can't save anybody. Alfred can't save anybody. There is no name that can save anybody but the name Jesus. Do we understand now? There is no controversy about that. Okay, so, now, I think... I will end up by teaching you on the grace of God. Because the word grace now has been, Satan has attacked the word grace in the church and has raised some messengers who have great followership, 
But they are deceiving people all over the world and making more people go to hell. And they are, they are, by their doctrine of grace, which is totally from the devil. And some of them have gone so advanced in that doctrine to let people know that they're making people believe that, you know, everybody will be saved. It doesn't matter who you are on earth. When you die, you will go to heaven. Yes, yeah, that's what the grace says now. And the grace teaching also says that error says that, well, as a Christian, it doesn't matter what you do. Anyway, you have been saved, you go to heaven. Anything you do cannot stop you. It is a demonic teaching. First Timothy 4.1 deals with it. But let me help you give you an indication to grace, and we'll talk about, the, the, uh, about grace more. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. It says, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standard. Not many were influential. Not many were noble birth, of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Now verse 29. So that no man may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom of God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Now, this expresses what grace, what the attributes of grace. When somebody is saved by grace, he is the holiness of God, he is presented before God holy. Alright? And because he's redeemed, salvation, grace of salvation brings redemption, it makes you holy, and it presents you before God righteous. If we look at the second scripture, Titus 2, 11 to 14, it went further to say, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to do what? To say no to all ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-control, upright and godly lives. Now let me help you understand. The first one I read it because these people who teach grace error, that is what they talk about. And that's it. We recognize when you are born again, you have become the holiness of God because you are washed with the blood of the Lamb. You have become sinless before God. Alright? And First John says, if we commit sin, we have an advocate. That is, if somebody fell into sin, not deliberate action. Because of flesh. You have an advocate, which means you go back to the Lord and really ask Him for mercy. And you'll be forgiven. But not somebody who deliberately sins. He'll be punished. Not somebody who decides to live a godless life. Christianity is not, a, a grace of Christianity is not a liberty to be, to be, you know, reckless. And that is what Paul is uh, saying in, in Titus. That grace of God has appeared unto us that brings salvation. Okay? And he says, it teaches us to say no to all ungodliness. So if anybody says, 
He's born again. And he can easily commit all those things that he used to do before born again. He had never seen salvation. Profession is different from confession. Salvation comes from conviction. Not just say after me. I believe, in, I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Witches can say that and they are not born again. Prostitutes can read that. It doesn't make them born again. Salvation is not what you say. He said if you believe in your heart first, that you are a sinner. It's not what you confess. Not your head. You must let people know this. A salvation does not have a transformation in the heart. It's fake. It does not exist. So therefore, the grace teaches us to say no to all ungodliness and worldly passion. You cannot be born again and continue to be worldly. They don't work together. You cannot be born again and you just you are reckless in your speech. You can slander people. You can, as the way you do before, malign people. <clears throat> Let me say this to you, please. Listen to me. Manifestation of God's power on a man. It's not affirmation of salvation. I repeat myself. Someone can pray in the name of Jesus, people can be healed. Someone can command, miracles can happen. That does not confirm he's saved. Look, there was a day that my father and his mother were going, coming from the farm. And my grandmother was a believer. And there was a mighty wind. And that wind uprooted a big oak tree. And that oak tree was carried high, sky high. And you know, the bush path in the village is just a small path for maybe two people to be able to pass by. And so, in the front was a woman who is a priestess of Baal, a warlord. And she was shouting, God of thunder, save me. God of thunder, save me. Shango, God of the river, save me. That is Oya. Shango, Bami, Oya, Bami. God of river, save me. God of thunder, save me. And my, mo- my grandmother... With my father, we are a distance at the back. And this tree was coming from the back. And my grandmother was saying, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. When that tree got to where my, my, my mother, my grandmother was, the, tree lift, the wind lifted it up further to the sky. This is a mighty oak tree. When we talk of oak tree in, in Africa, we are not talking about shrub. Mighty oak tree. With all the roots. All the branches. And then he began to move forward towards the priestess of Baal. When she looked back and the tree was coming to her. Okay? She started, she changed her prayer and said, Jesus save me with your children. Jesus save me with your children. Yes. And the, the storm was coming. She was screaming, Jesus save me with your children. It was to crush her. And the wind blew the storm away. Uh, the, 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 the wind blew the tree up again. So she had to stop to come back to my grandmother because she recognized that their God saves. And that tree went forward and landed in the bush. Where the tree landed, the, the vibration of it got to the village. And when I said it went, the whole place shook. The woman who does not know Jesus, call upon Jesus, Jesus saved him. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not just talking about salvation as being born again, but shall be rescued. 
That is the word of that salvation. Because the word of God says that upon Monsanto there shall be deliverance. So I'm saying that if anybody thinks that performing miracles is attestation of God, you may, be, you may be deceived. Why God performed miracles as an attestation of His name and through His own children, there are many people in the church of God all over the world today who perform miracles, but they are not born again because salvation teaches you to say no to all ungodliness. So a minister who is ungodly, who continues in the worldly passion, is not born again. And to live self-control upright and godly life in this present age, in this world, he says. A minister of God, a child of God must be self-control. We must live godly life. If we are born again, the Spirit in us will not permit you to do some things. I would agree with that. So when you see all these ministers, you know, whatever, especially those people who always come and say that God is telling me that 10 people should give X amount, they are all devils. God is not in them. I am so sorry. I have no apology for saying it because what I'm saying is the truth. They are all manipulated by demons. God of Christians do not identify people who should give a particular amount of money in the church. He doesn't do that. He never did that in the Bible and he cannot do that. If anybody would tell me that he did it, they show me one occasion in the Bible among the apostles when he says this is such a thing. And at the end of the day, the money is collected to the post of those ministers. They are, the Bible says they are God, is their belly. And both the belly and the food will perish. We're going to stop here at this session. Um, 